So every year, there's a large study done by the Gallup Group, the large American consultancy, um, that surveys American adults to find out what are the least trusted professions. The least trusted professions. And so most recently, very recent, they just ended the last one on December 2nd, um, so two months ago. Uh, so this is really fresh, but they do it every year. And before I let you know what the results were of the study, I want to ask you what your personal answer is to that question. Don't say it out loud because you might be sitting next to somebody who works in that thing. But what profession, worker, employee, type of business, etc., do you least trust? You, you're, you're convinced they're, they're trying to, like, you know, trick you. You don't trust them. They're not being honest. Maybe you feel like you're getting overcharged um, or the product that you're getting isn't going to live up to ex expectations or service that you're getting isn't going to be good, whatever. Who, who do you mistrust the most? Tell your neighbor that real quietly. You, I don't trust you. Okay, so here are the numbers or the, the results. The top three this past year, December 2nd, 2022, of the least trusted professions in America were number three, car salespeople. No surprise. No surprise, right? I hope, I hope nobody is a car salesperson here. We trust you. You know, you're a Christian, a good person. We need good people in car sales. Number two is telemarketers. No surprise. No surprise. And number one, this made me like, ooh, members of Congress. <laughs> We're not looking, we're, we're not looking good, America. That I was not expecting, but I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. So, just for example's sake, let's go with members of Congress. And I don't think there's anybody running for Congress in here, so we can speak freely. Um, so, someone's running for Congress in your district, and in their campaign, let's just imagine in this, this made-up scenario that I'm making, that in their speeches, in their paid advertisements like I approve this message in their interviews on the debate floor everything imagine if they were to say yeah I'm I could really care less about benefiting my constituents like really I'm in it for the power and for the money I can be bribed really easily so you know give me a call like I'm not really in it for the people I'm in it for me if anybody were really open and honest and blunt and actually said that uh, I think it's safe to say that none of us would support them, that we wouldn't, you know, get their t-shirt or the lawn sign and put it in the front yard, or you wouldn't show up at their rallies or change your Facebook profile picture to their, like, thingy. And ultimately, of course, you would never vote for them. You wouldn't show up at election day and vote for someone who openly to the public said, I'm not trustworthy. Any other example? You'd never eat at a restaurant that openly said, eh, we have a rat problem, there's lots of droppings in the food, but eh, what are you going to do? You'd never buy a car from a dealership that you know that they openly talk about, they don't hide the fact that they train their salesmen to lie to you, and they're just trying to get every penny out, of, out uh, from, from you. You'd never do something like that, right? Any of these, you know, situations. A couple of years ago, the Wall Street Journal published a groundbreaking article where we learned that Facebook had done internal research about its own products, namely Instagram, concluding that it was harmful for large proportions of its users, nearly everybody, but most particularly teenage girls. So this presentation uh, mentioned how Instagram, in particular, the biggest issues with it are making body issues worse, raises the rate of anxiety, of depression, and of suicide. So social media, especially apps like Instagram, they've created like really alarming and frightening change to 
society. Like, I don't want to, like, use big words, like, just superlatives all the time to, like, overemphasize my point. But it's really what's happening. So here are some actual numbers. Ending up in the hospital because of self-harm is up 62% in older teen girls, 189% for preteen girls. Suicide is up 70% for older teen girls and up 151% for preteen girls. And this, these numbers all begin at the point where the generation started growing up with Instagram in their lives. It's just what they knew. And yeah, like these statistics are specific to teen girls and there's, you know, not all of us here are teen girls. But they're the ones who've been most affected, most harmed. But it really is change happening to all of us, male, female, young and old. There's no one that's really immune. And guess what happened after these numbers or the study was released? Millions and millions of people started deleting their apps. The stock price plummeted because people were selling it off, saying, I'm not going to support this thing. All the employees started quitting. No, I'm lying. You know that I'm lying, right? Nothing happened. Nothing happened after the story was released. So we'd never vote for an openly crooked politician, right? Maybe we shouldn't speak so soon. Because Meta, this is not like this like smear campaign, this outside investigation trying to take them down. Their internal report, their own paid employees says, our mental health is all getting wrecked, but we're all along for the ride. We're cool being the customer, staying involved. So this week, today, and next week, I'm going to be preaching a really short two-week sermon series called Unfollow. And I'm going to be talking about what I believe are the two top things we need to focus on as Christians when it comes to the influence of social media in our lives. There are way more than two. It was a long list that I created. I could have done a full year sermon series. But we're just going to do two. And just start with just two. See, we're in a completely new and uncharted era of discipleship in the church as Christians. How we use social media, in my opinion, is now, it's not like just a, uh, a hobby or, or whatever, something we do on downtime. In my opinion, it needs to bump over into the area of spiritual discipline. I think it needs to be considered that because it has such a large impact on almost everybody. Yeah, some of us aren't really on it, or maybe we have an account that just like, you know, is collecting dust. But just the internet's influence as a whole matters to everybody. We can't live without it today. So I think that it has to be in the area of spiritual discipline because of how much power and influence it actually has in our lives. So the question is, if we're the church, like how are we being mindful and careful about our use of it, ensuring that any new technologies that take over the world and take over our lives are enhancing our discipleship, as opposed to hurting it, harming it. So here's the thing. What makes social media kind of fly under the radar, it's like tricky, it's like stealth, but makes it extra important for us to be talking about it openly and like, you know, engaging, is that it can feel gray because it's not only bad, right? It's not just bad. So this isn't this like, you must delete it right now. Like, I'm not going to say that today at the end of this message. There are plenty of good things that come out of it too. Things like, like this, connecting with friends, staying in the lives of people who moved away, who aren't in like, proximity to you. That's awesome. I love that about social media. There are 
I don't know, thousands, I assume, lots and lots of accounts that are dedicated to helping people, encouragement um, um, handles, like teaching skills. Like if I, I, I don't know how, to, I'm not a plumber, but I can, I can fix my, you know, my toilet now because of somebody on Instagram, like training, uh, all these types of really good content um, creators that are putting really good productive things online. When, when I became a dad, I joined a bunch of mom and dad Facebook groups. Man, it's like, beautiful how much like people give away free stuff how they're all like about supporting you like you post hey does anybody have a good recommendation for childcare?" and they get hundreds of comments there's some really good stuff crowdfunding there are people who pay each other's health bills that they've never met before do you remember the ice bucket challenge that raised 115 million dollars i was listening to npr like at the end of that or i mean towards the end of the the big craze and the lady who was in charge of the finances, the CFO of the organization, was like, I'm hiring consultants because I don't know how to use all this money for good. Like, we have too much. So, I, like, that's how awesome that was. You know, people have found organ donors, complete strangers from social media. The FBI have solved crimes through social media. So there's good things, too. There are. But the bad list, as we already mentioned, depression and anxiety being just like washing over us, suicide, people taking their own lives or attempting to. There's even sleep problems that a lot of us have. There's a lot of things around unhealthy sex, like, like segues to pornography, to trafficking even used, um, uh, by, or traffickers even using uh, sites, unhealthy body image that we already talked about, infidelity starting through, through uh, social media sites. Deaths, like distracted driving, man, the amount of people that I see driving like this and like people die, there's stalking that happens, loneliness, decreased productivity at work and school, inattentiveness to your friends and family. Like you, how many times are we in a room with friends and like there's always a couple people in the corner looking down? There's privacy issues. You, you waste money because influencers trick you to buy more stuff. Hackers, scammers, fraud, election tampering, who would have thought? Propaganda, social hierarchy, cyberbullying, manipulation. I have a long list. So yeah, it's not all bad. But with all of the bad things being very common and known to us and rampant, wouldn't it be crazy for us to just continue social media without making adjustments? If 189% raised... Uh, Suis are uh, uh, with preteen girls. I don't want to make this up. What did I say? Ending up in the hospital because of self-harm. Wouldn't we be crazy to not put guardrails, to not have accountability, discussion, some sort of like open discussion about how to be healthier? Wouldn't we be crazy to just let it ride? It's like going to the mechanic who says, I'm going to overcharge you and your car is probably not going to work too well. I'm like, yeah, sure, here, take my money. But actually, it's worse because in this fake illustration, all I have, I lose like what? Pay, overpay 100 bucks for my brakes versus the high cost of what happens when we just keep without any fence, without any boundary, just letting our lives sink into this, this movement. See, what I believe and why we're at church, you know, we're not... The point of this message is not for us to become experts of social media accountability. The point is for us to grow as Christians, as disciples. 
And see, God wants for us to have a life to the full. And in this day and age, and for, I don't know, a long time, social media and the internet as a whole is going to have a massive bearing into your fullness of life. It will, inevitably. And therefore, it's got to be a focus of our spiritual discipline. So my goal for these next two weeks, because I believe that God wants you, you to flourish in this lifetime, is I want to treat our relationship with social media as a spiritual issue. Most of us have just heard of it as a time-wasting issue. Oh, you're going to get bad grades. Oh, you're just, you know, like, oh, like you're just wasting time. It, no, no, no. It's not just a time-wasting issue. I think it's a spiritual discipline one. And what I would love for us to do together is to make some life changes that will allow social media to be a tool that enhances our following Jesus instead of hurting it. And so we'll turn to God's word today from Matthew 22. Hear God's word. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here in Matthew 22, we have verses 37 through 40, which is what we call the greatest commandment. You've heard it before. And this passage is a conversation that this whole, like, this day in Jesus' specific life is a day of conflict, what, what um, uh, scholars will call it. Because constantly the Sadducees and Pharisees are just taking turns, going at him, trying to trip him up. Because they just really, really want to throw him in jail at this point. So they just need him to say one wrong thing and then they have enough evidence, toss this, like, you know, this crazy guy into jail. And so they're trying to get at him. And so an expert in the law, we're talking about the biblical law here, tests him with this question. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus answers, love God and love your neighbors. He was asked singular commandment, but he answers with two things. But to Jesus, he's still answering the question accurately. Because loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves cannot be separated. They are 1A and 1B. True love of God cannot be separated from love of those who bear the image of God. Who bears the image of God? Everybody. Every single human being who is born and walked this earth is an image bearer of God. And our true love of God cannot be separated from us growing in love for them. So if you really do love God with your entire being, if your delight is in him as we sang, if God really is your ultimate fundamental loyalty, if you're following him, and you seek to follow him and grow in following him, then you will grow to love your neighbor as yourself. It cannot be separated. So side note, uh, different sermon, different talk, but everyone, but you've certainly heard people in your life say, I'm done with the church. I hate Christians. I love Jesus though. Sorry, it doesn't really work that way. One and the same. And he says in verse 40, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments, meaning obedience to everything that you see in scripture depends on loving God and loving one another. You cannot properly obey any other commandment that you can find in scripture without this being your foundation. Love God. Love your neighbor. So, if the entirety of our faith is on this foundation, and if we're talking about our relationship with social media needing to be tread with wisdom, 
And if, and if how we use social media is, is, to be, is to be a God-glorifying spiritual discipline, then the logical progression is simple. We've got to ask ourselves, in what way is social media helping me in this journey or harming it? In other words, in what ways is social media helping me love God and love my neighbor more or hurting my love for God and my neighbor more? Is my social media use an expression of and an encourager of my love for God and my neighbor or a discourager of my love for God and my love for our neighbor, my neighbors? And I just have to be direct here. When I look around, starting from me, my own life, to the people around me, to the church around me, to the country and city and nation around me, to the world, man, social media does not help a lot of times. I'm, I'm legitimately mourning how involved we are in how often the conclusion is more judgment, more envy and jealousy, more slander and disparaging others, more division, animosity, more hatred. It's everywhere. The past few years with the pandemic and, you know, the election and all that stuff here, um, we've all been in the pressure cooker in one way or another, right? And, and I think all of us would agree with me that social media made it 100 times worse. Not that it wouldn't have been bad. I mean, American politics have been full of it when, you know, they were wearing those white wiggy things. But it, I think it made it worse today, right, a lot, a lot later. And I could share any number of stories, like put Wall Street Journal articles. I got a lot of them. But I decided today I just want to share about me, about my life, by way of showing that this I'm not, those of you who know me, I'm not super involved in social media, but it still matters to me and it's affecting me. And I'm learning as I'm going and this matters to me too. It's affecting my personal life, my spiritual life, my spiritual discipline, particularly in the greatest commandment of loving God and loving my neighbor as myself. The most surprising and unfortunate thing that I wasn't expecting had to do with family. So Unji and I, my wife and I, we, you know, obviously we have our families and our relatives and an extended family beyond. Um, and we both grew up uh, very involved with our, you know, our cousins, our aunts and uncles, you know, you know, people that like our cousins that we run around the house with and break things to get into trouble. And our aunts and uncles who babysat us. We very involved in each other's lives. And, you know, we see them regularly, like big occasions, weddings, holidays, etc. And I, and as I reflected on this, on these past few years, I have to admit that social media was really powerful in affecting the way that I felt about them. During the pandemic, I would see posts and things that they liked and, you know, things that the comments they made in, in, in our chat groups and all that kind of stuff. And there were things I wasn't, you know, a big fan of. And I was really upset. I was pretty angry. And this is what I'm most ashamed to admit. But I got to a place where I didn't mind that COVID kept us from seeing each other anymore. That the first Thanksgiving got canceled, and then Christmas and New Year's, and then so on and so on. It was like, oh, there's COVID, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll stay home. I think it was more of a heart issue than a COVID issue, that fact that we didn't go drive to see our family. Mine, my heart issue. I had thoughts in my mind that was really surprising to me and embarrassing. Yeah, I'm good. I don't need to see you. It's shameful 
to me. But mostly, I was really shocked at how easily it happened. You know, everyone talks about the cliche, don't talk to the crazy uncle, like at Thanksgiving table about politics. You know, like, the, you know, it's a thing. You avoid the topic, but, you know, he's the crazy one, but you love him, he's family, you know. I was at the point where I didn't even want to be at the table with the crazy uncle. I'd rather just skip Thanksgiving. And this was new for me. When I realized that, it put into perspective for me, as someone who's not even on social media that much, by the way, how powerful social media can be at creating division. It's like, it's like military genius tactics at separating people into groups, isolating them from each other, and keeping them there. And the way that you keep them there is not because you love your team so much. It's because you hate that one so much. It's really effective. What happens is that you get boiled down to an opinion and to a handle or an avatar. And what your opinion is about something and you get dehumanized. And then we go around, we dehumanize each other. And so what happens? It strips away nuance and storytelling the complexity of every human being and their, their, their story and their upbringing, which makes them believe what they do. It, it takes away the benefit of the doubt. We don't give that to each other on social media. We never sit in each other's shoes on social media. It just boils you down into what you think about this topic. And then there's two roads, friend or foe. It's easy. And we just swipe. It's just friend or foe, friend or foe, all based upon one thing that you believe in this life. And that's good enough for us. What was new and shocking to me that I had to like really work through in my heart was I had all of that with my, fam- with my cousins and my aunts and uncles. I know their background story. I know the nuance. I know their complexity. I do have relationship. But still, it was like one post about something that I disagreed with. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't, uh, we're skipping Thanksgiving this year. That's how bad it got. See, social media has stoked the fire of sin in my heart. It didn't put it there. I'm never going to blame, oh, social media. No, 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 no. Like, my sin made me that way. But the way that I picture it is, like, I had this little flame, and it's like starting a campfire. It was already there. Social media didn't put it there. It was, that's on me. But what social media does, it just comes and just, just stokes it. And sometimes it's like, and it burns. And then we have things happening that we see on the news. I don't need that in my life. I don't need anything in my life that's going to deter me from the mission that God has placed in all of us is is love. I don't need anything in my life that's going to make me receive all this great love from Jesus and have no desire to pass it on. But to just dehumanize people to like an opinion that I disagree with. And maybe you can relate to me in one way or another. Maybe you can. And you're like, yeah, you, you, you need to get off. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm asking us together as friends, regardless of where you're at, to not take this lightly. As the people of God, we cannot let the negative effects of social media create division and animosity between us and others when our purpose is to love, is reconciliation, is unity, is the fruit of the Spirit which involves love and kindness, gentleness, self-control. And so if this is you, if you relate to anything that I'm saying, I'm asking you to join me in doing something about it. Let's start putting protective boundaries around our use of it. 
So Tony, uh, this author, Tony Ranke, he uses this example, uh, this illustration um, of a car. So when he sits down in his driver's seat, he looks down at the speedometer, and it says zero and all the way to 140 miles per hour at the end of it. But just because it says 140 and the car could technically reach 140, it doesn't mean you should ever go 140 miles per hour, right? The point of the car is to take you from point A to B safely. So you put boundaries upon your use. It could you, could, you could just floor it and go if you want to, but you shouldn't. And social media and our phones are the same. If it's boundaryless, it's reckless, like just bombing down the highway at 140 while your car is like redlining. We need to put some healthy boundaries to be safe. And so here are some examples. Maybe, you know, you'll have your own uh, to come up with in response, uh, but here are some that might be helpful. I mean, first is the easy one. If there is a social media app that's just fueling a lot of anger and hatred and judgment inside of you, just delete it if you can. Just delete it. You don't need it in your life. And that's hard. I understand. Well, I don't completely understand, but I get it. That, it, that can be very hard. Um, so that's difficult for you. That's, that's too much, too extreme. Then how about unfollowing as many accounts as you can that you feel like are getting in the way of your living out the greatest commandment in your life? I'm told, I'm in the know now, I'm hip, okay? I'm told that if someone finds out that you unfollowed them and all this, oh my God, like the world is ending. And so my wife said, well, people can mute each other. I'm like, okay, mute them instead. But either way, you don't need things, posts, accounts, whatever in your life that are removing the greatest commandment from you. There's now really great screen time, like accountability apps that you can download that will limit you and how much you spend per day or send a warning or something. You could use those. I encourage highly regular social media Sabbath days and regular social media fasting periods. And I think what you are concentrating right now is that I said Sabbath and fasting. But what I really want you to concentrate on is the word regular. Because I think... I would guess most of you at some point have done extreme social media fasting, right? Where you delete the app, you're like, I'm done. And then you get back on a couple months later and you're just like, you're just all in. It's like dieting. If you, if you do the like whole 30 for 30, uh, for 30 days straight and you eat nothing but like seeds and nuts and vegetables and then go back to McDonald's on day 31, like, yeah, probably isn't the best. Like what's going to have you do something for the long haul? So maybe don't go like crazy up front and just fail and, and change your mind. But start off with something simple. Every Monday, or maybe a whole day, oh, that's too difficult. Okay, I get it. Every Monday evening. Maybe in the mornings, you, you, you don't go on social media or on your phone until 9 a.m. Or, or some, like, what are the time boundaries you can put on a day if, if long seasons are too difficult? Another thing that I want to encourage everybody is staying aware of what, not just pastors and, and Christians are saying, but what, you know, social scientists, psychologists, people who are invested in this study are saying. Uh, I, th I imagine most of you or many of you watched the Netflix documentary Social Dilemma. If you haven't, you should watch it. It'll creep you out. It'll probably me me lead you to like wanting to lead everything. That's probably a good thing. Watch Social Dilemma. If you've already seen it, keep reading. Know about what's happening, not just for you, but for the people that you care about. And in particular, if there are preteen girls in your life that you care about, you will care about this. Man, those numbers like, are like haunting me. Let's care about it and keep learning. 
let's put protective boundaries around our usage so that we can stay safe. In high school, speaking of cars, I had a friend whose dad was super duper rich. And so he bought him this like, you know, ridiculous luxury sports car when he was like 17. And I didn't know at the time either, but I guess normal adults know that certain luxury brands, you have to fill it with the premium or supreme or ultra fuel or whatever. You can't just get regular. Um, it'll, it won't allow the car to run at its peak performance. And so he's, you know, a, like a dumb high school kid who just keeps filling it with regular. And he noticed, he's like, oh, it doesn't feel as fast as I want it to go. And it just kind of, he was talking about it felt a little laggy and whatever. And finally, his dad figured it out. He's like, oh, you're putting in the wrong gas. Like, you know, it's, it's not, it needs like cleaner fuel to actually like pump out the horsepower. And then he switched and it started working just fine. And side note, he crashed into a telephone pole. Uh, he's fine, so that's why I can joke about it. He didn't have a scratch on him, but don't get your teenage kids sports cars is the lesson. Anyways, so it was working just fine. When you put, when he finally put in the proper fuel into it, it was working the way that it was running and working the way it was created to. When we are living in the way that we were designed and created, it's when we're living the fullest and abundant life that scripture tells us God has created us for. If social media is getting in the way of our love, which is that, the design, to me it's like we're dumping old, rotten, bad gasoline into your heart engine and just keeping you puttering around as opposed to performing the way that God beautifully designed you to. See, I believe that you and I are created to love God and to love others. This is the way God designed us. You and I are purposed. Our mission is to love God and to love others. You and I are fulfilled. We're happiest. We're delighting when we love God and we love others. That's our joy. When we live the way God created us to, created us to everything aligns. We fulfill our mission. We function to the healthiest place. And we enjoy life to the fullest. Let's not let social media be a tool to strip you of your design, of your mission, of your joy. Let's set up proper boundaries around it and live with a greater joy and greater witness to the world. And like I said, friends, my goal is not to have these two weeks and for us to be more professional or better or mature social media users. I hope that's a fruit of the time together a benefit of our time together, but the purpose is greater fulfilled life as disciples of Jesus. And let's just be aware that social media can certainly get in the way of that. But we can grasp this, put boundaries around it, be reminded by God's holy word that our mission, our joy, our design is to love him and to love those around us and regain that, that oomph to do that and put that first in our lives and remove anything that gets in the way of it. Certainly things like Instagram.